Hey everyone, welcome to the Building a Financial Fortress podcast to help increase your financial knowledge. This is episode 7, recording on March 5th, 2022. This podcast is for entertainment and is not financial advice. Do your own homework. So this week I think we'll go through uh, the normal weekly market update. Uh, We'll also uh, take a look at uh, the weekly Bitcoin news. And then I wanted to talk about some uh, a little bit about startup investing and uh, go into some details on that. Uh, this was sort of inspired by a conversation I had with a good friend at work this week who's looking to, um, you know, uh, uh, expand his investment horizons, you know, maybe retire a little earlier. So we had a nice conversation about, uh, about uh, startup investing. So moving right into it, uh, here's the market update. This is thanks to uh, Seeking Alpha. This is my weekly snapshot that I get. Stocks fell on Friday to close another down week as investors worried that risks surrounding Russia's war on Ukraine may be spinning out of control. And oil prices skyrocketed after the White House said it was considering a ban on imports of Russian crude. Commodities of all kinds continue to push higher on fears of supply crunches, with crude oil soaring past $115 per barrel to trade near its highest since 2008. The dollar rose to levels not seen since 2020, and 10-year Treasury yields slumped 12 basis points to 1.7% as investors sought safe havens. Equities failed to hold early gains that followed stronger-than-expected U.S. jobs data, as the major market indexes succumbed to investor jitters ahead of the weekend, with the Dow Jones and S&P 500 each falling 1.3% for the week, and the tech-heavy NASDAQ composite tumbling 2.8%. Uh, moving on to Bitcoin news, probably the biggest news uh, here is from uh, CNBC. Bitcoin jumps 10% after Treasury imposes new sanctions against Russian central bank. The crypto market rose on Monday after the Treasury Department imposed new sanctions against Russia's central bank. Bitcoin jumped 10.4%, while Ether rose 7.6%. U.S. equities were down sharply earlier in the day before recovering a big chunk of their losses. In the past, there's been a strong correlation between traditional assets liquidating and drops in digital assets, said Valkyrie Fund CEO Leo Wald. However, we aren't seeing that right now, and the crucial test is to see whether this pattern holds. If it does, we could potentially be at the tipping point many have been waiting for, where Bitcoin and other coins have perhaps become mainstream. Uh, The sanctions unveiled by the Bitcoin administration would, by the Biden administration, would effectively prohibit Americans from doing business with the Russian central bank and freezes assets within the United States. The move... The moves highlight the role crypto can have in military conflict. The young asset class has never had the opportunity to show its potential significance in that type of environment before, though its proponents have often emphasized it as part of their bull case for Bitcoin. Since Thursday, when the invasion by Russia began, transactions on centralized Bitcoin exchanges in both the Russian ruble and the Ukrainian hryvna surged to their highest levels in months, according to crypto data company Kaiko. 
Volume for both RUB and UAH trading pairs increased far more quickly than volume for other pairs such as BTC-USD, which suggests the crisis is directly influencing trading behavior, according to Kaiko. Michael Rinko, Venture Associate at Ascendex, said, $38,000 is the number to watch. This is one of the biggest accumulation phases, he said. You can tell the cost basis of every single holder. More people bought at 38000 than any other level above or below for a good margin. It's a very key level because it could be support on the way down, but also resistance on the way up. He also agreed that the conflict is highlighting the importance of the borderless and censorship-resistant qualities of Bitcoin, but said it isn't why cryptocurrencies outperform the broader markets Monday. This move up in crypto today may be reflecting rate hikes getting priced out, Rinko said. We're increasingly skeptical about the Fed's ability and willingness to aggressively hike amid this uncertain geopolitical backdrop. Still, he added that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are still in an early phase where prices are driven primarily by narrative and not to underestimate the strength of the humanitarian case for Bitcoin. The Ukraine government has raised more than $10 million in cryptocurrency donations as of Friday, according to blockchain analytics firm Elliptic. Total donations made in crypto to the Ukrainian government and NGOs supporting the military stood at about $16.7 million as of Sunday. So that's pretty much the, uh, the, the big news of the week for Bitcoin. Um, interestingly enough, uh, Jay Powell came out later in the week and said that uh, he was looking at a 25 basis point uh, increase in the uh, federal funds rate uh, this month, which is uh, uh, not uh, uh, half a percent, which, which many people were fearing. So I think that probably uh, helped the market out a little bit. Moving on to startup investing. So we'll talk about, uh, you know, three, uh, actually four main things. First of all, we'll talk about, uh, you know, the uh, new regulation CF that allows um, anyone to invest in in cryptocurrency, in in startups, uh, which could include cryptocurrency startups. Um, The definition of an accredited investor, talk about some of the platforms, pros and cons of each one, and then a little bit about uh, just overall uh, investing strategy. So Regulation CF, um, prior to that, you had to be an accredited investor to invest in startups. In 2012, the JOBS Act was uh, signed into law and included in that uh, is Title III, uh, which is also called Regulation CF, and that went into effect in 2016. Um, so that allowed early-stage companies to raise money from basically all Americans. Um, the raise is uh, limited, you know, so it's only up to $5 million, um, and they're done online. And, and then this can facilitate, you know, early adopters, customers, and just general crowdfunding, uh, you know, involvement in uh, uh, supporting these these early stage companies. The offering does have to be um, managed by an SEC FINRA registered broker dealer, so it's you know um, subject to regulation. 
and uh, the company has to file what's called a form C with the SEC. And then the, uh, the offering can only be uh, as a minimum of 21 days. So it gives, you know, investors enough time to think about their investment and if they want to um, commit to it or not. So it's not like a, a rush, I guess. Um, they can be longer, but 21 days minimum. So um, now an accredited investor um, you can, you can meet that definition, uh, basically, uh, four ways. Uh, the first way is if your net worth is a, is at least a million dollars or more, uh, but that does not include your primary residence. So it has to be all, you know, investable assets, not including your home. Um, the second way is if you make $200,000 a year in annual earned income and you reasonably expect to, uh, earn the same amount this year, uh, and then or three hundred thousand dollars with your spouse. Um, the third way um, is if you hold a financial professional license, and that'd be a Series Seven, sixty-five, or eighty-two. And finally, a trust um, uh, that has at least five million dollars and is directed by a sophisticated person, meaning a uh, you know someone who's knowledgeable about investing. Uh, would also be considered an accredited investor. So interestingly enough, the uh, SEC is actually looking to change the uh, accredited investor uh, rules and, and actually make it harder <clears throat> to qualify. So I'll read this here from Time Magazine. Washington's proposed rules to protect investors could widen the wealth gap. The Securities and Exchange Commission is pushing for significant changes in how private funded companies operate and who can invest in them, the agency said this week. The proposed changes probably won't benefit rank and file American investors, but will likely help people who are already rich get even wealthier. While the details remain unclear, the SEC says it wants to increase the financial transparency of large companies which raise money away from the public markets. In addition, the regulator wants to limit the ability of people with less than $200,000 in annual income or $1 million in net worth to invest in non-public companies. In short, the current system, which already excludes the vast majority of Americans, could get more restrictive. In turn, the changes could widen income inequality, something which the Biden administration says it wants to reduce. <clears throat> and then later on in the article, um, they talk about the... Uh, you know, the credit investor rules, which I talked about earlier. And then um, they say that the, the accredited investor requirements rule out most of the U.S. population from investing in private companies funded by private equity or Silicon Valley venture capitalists. That's because the median household uh, is far too low at approximately 67,500 in 2020, according to government data. This barrier to investing means that most Americans cannot participate in the super fast growth generated by some startups in Silicon Valley or elsewhere in private markets. Case in point is the spectacular growth of Meta, formerly known as Facebook, during its ultra high growth period. First investment of $500,000 occurred in 2004 when the company was valued at around $5 million. In 2012, the company went public with a value of above $100 billion. That's at least a 20,000-fold increase in value in less than a decade. But only people who are already well-to-do could participate in such gains. Compare that to the returns on the S&P 500 
over the same period, you that wouldn't have even doubled your money. That two-tier investing system, one of potential humongous gains for the elite and one or more of more subdued increases for everyone else, has attracted criticism. The intent of the American capital market should be to make them more inclusive, Hazlitt says, yet the majority of value appreciation in technology companies is not finding its way into the pockets of your average American. Uh, so that's what I call have fun staying poor by the SEC. So I really hope that they uh, back away from that one. So moving on to the platforms, there's four platforms I'm going to talk about. I've, I've used them all. And I was just going to give a very high level review, uh, you know, of each one. So the first one is called Republic. Um, so you can access it on uh, on a website. It's republic.co. Um, they also have an app. Um, the app is really good. Um, they have interesting investments uh, on there. Um, they also offer accredited deals um, if you're an accredited investor. Um, they won't transfer your uh, investment to a trust if you want to do that for estate planning. So you you do need to invest directly in the trust if you're going to hold it in that. Uh, and um, they have some interesting novel things. They, you know, music NFTs. Uh, they have a securitization of a, a tokenization of a litigation settlement, which is kind of interesting. So just to give you an idea of the deals that they have uh, currently, uh, they've got one called Rivero, which is reversing autoimmune and other chronic diseases by addressing root causes. Um, this one has a $150 minimum investment, $30 million valuation cap. Um, they've got another one called King's Crowd, which is a financial data platform for online private market. That one's a $1,000 minimum investment, $45 million valuation. Um, another one is called uh, Sugarfina, which is an artisanal luxury candy and sweet experiences for grown-ups. If you've ever been to one of their stores, it's they're really cool. Uh, $507 minimum investment, $125 million valuation. Uh, let's see. There's a couple other ones. Uh, Fig Portfolio Shares, be part of the success of Legendary Games. This is a company that re republishes uh video games um thousand dollar minimum investment and uh so just to give you now, oh here's an interesting one uh bodie miller the famous snowboarder is the chief innovation officer of this company called alpine x which uh, you can invest in indoor snow sports resorts throughout north america so this one is a hundred dollar minimum investment 40 million dollar valuation so uh, these are, you know, just a few of the different investments that are on here. Generally, these companies tend to be a little bit more um, advanced, a little more established, um, and they are all vetted um, and have to go through due diligence. Uh, the other platform uh, I'll talk about is Seed Invest. Um, they have a really good website. Um, they will do transfers to, you know, trust if, if you invest in your own name and you want to put it into a revocable trust for, for uh, estate planning purposes. 
they have also interesting deals, although theirs tend to be really more on the startup side uh, and not as established. Uh, they also have accredited deals available there. Um, and like I said, it's you know a little easier to handle multiple investing entities with that particular one. Um, and um, you know they do get you know different deals than what you can see on Republic. Uh, another one is Start Engine, which uh, uh, it's uh, Kevin uh, O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful from um, Shark Tank, uh, is involved in that one. Uh, I haven't used it as much. Um, they do have a lot of sort of weird stuff, I would say, like collectibles, wine collections, trading cards, uh, as well as small companies. Although the companies um, on Star Engine tend to be really small, um, uh, m much smaller than the type of deals you'd see on Republic, for example. Um, but still, you know, it's a, it's another way to to invest. And then lastly, uh, you have Angel.co. Um, it's for accredited investors only. Um, you do need to be invited by someone who's already on the platform but it's pretty easy to, to do. And uh, like I did a follow on investment on a, an investment that I originally did <clears throat> in Republic. Um, the person was sponsoring it on angel.co invited me. So then I joined his syndicate. So now he sends me emails every time he's doing another deal. And then I invested in a deal that he was doing with somebody else. And so then I joined theirs. And so now I'm like in four, different ones and i get emails all the time um so it's kind of interesting the quality of the deals that you get there are going to be a little bit better the minimum investments are still pretty small relatively speaking um uh you know they're they're not like a hundred two hundred dollars they're maybe a thousand or fifteen hundred or something like that um but they tend to be with a lot of uh you know, big name VC firms and, and high profile investors and things like that. So, um, so that's also an interesting one um, to look at. <clears throat> so as far as the strategy goes, you know, I, I kind of, uh, I read a book many years ago called Little Bets. And so, you know, my strategy for um, investing in startups is, is really, you know, do as much due diligence as you, as you want. Um, you know, obviously the more dollars you put in, the higher the due diligence, uh, the lower the investment, the less you need to do. Um, but really diversification is, is key. Um, I did find a list of, um, of things that, that, uh, you, you should look at or make sure you understand when you're investing in a startup. Um, this is probably more important for if you're doing like, you know, full on, you know, due diligence, but, uh, in, you know, obviously a larger investment, but you'd want to check all the boxes. Um, but the first one is, you know, um, what problem are they solving? You know, is it compelling? Um, the second one is market size to, or what they call TAM or total addressable market. You know, how big, how big is the opportunity for them? Um, Team quality is number three. Um, you know, do the people, have they done 
other startups before? Have they had successful exits? Do they know what they're doing? Do they understand the industry? That sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> number four is the product. You know, how good is the product? Um, next is the business model. You know, how, you know, is it business to business? Is it business to consumer? You know, how, how does that work? Um, insertion point is the next one. You know, where do they kind of fit, I guess, in, in terms of the, uh, the overall marketplace? Uh, traction, uh, you know, is the next one. Or momentum, you know, are they, are they growing? Are they, you know, increasing sales? Um, uh, that sort of thing. And then uh, competition is a big one, you know, like uh, um, you may not even know, uh, you know, all your competition, uh, um, but they, they should, and they should uh, actually, you know, in their materials, they should be laying out, you know, hey, these guys and these guys and these guys, and here's how we differentiate ourselves from, from, from these other competitors. Um, <clears throat> Defensibility, um, so patents, um, you know, do they have a moat? You know, is there anything that they uh, do differently or that can't be replicated by, by competitors? Um, you know, any concerns, you know, and then financing needs. So that's kind of a, the full list of, of things that you'd be looking at. And like I said, little bets, you know, so you spread the table, you try to, you know, cover as many different uh, investments as possible or uh, companies as possible. Um, follow themes that, that you believe in. Um, but, uh, you know, just make smaller investments. And then if you, if something is, starts taking off and, you know, they're, they're, uh, they're moving up and they ask for additional money, maybe you put a little bit more in, you know, and then uh, <clears throat> if they continue to progress, maybe you put a little bit more in, you know. Um, and then if, you know, if a company exits and you get, you know, uh, you make a profit, then of course you set aside some money for taxes and then you take the rest and you, and you, and you continue investing so that your uh, returns, you know, compound. So it's really just numerous small investments in a broad array of startups. I think, you know, full disclosure, you have to expect, you know, 90% of these are going to fail. Um, but 10% hopefully do really, really well. And so overall, you're going to get a superior return to what you would get in the stock market. Um, but, you you know, you, you improve your chances by investing in a broad array of companies versus you know, what a lot of people do is they, they get a hot tip. Oh, you know, this, my cousin's doing this company and it's really good. They're going to do something really exciting. And so then they take all their money, <laughs> they invest in it and they lose it all. And that's not a good way to, to invest in startups. So, you know, um, you want to invest in 20, 30, 40, 50, you know, different uh, companies, um, small amounts, and then, you know, again, uh, increase your chances of, uh, of a success that way. Um, and that with some good due diligence and, 
and also if you happen to understand um you know the industry that you're investing in or the the areas that you're interested in maybe they those are <clears throat> industries or areas that you know something about personally because of you know prior experience or or uh, where you work the industry you work in that's perfect you know like i personally work in the real estate industry so uh, prop tech is, is, uh, or property technology is a really intriguing area, uh, to me because I see it, you know, being applied every day in our business. So, you know, whenever I find out about a new technology or something, um, that, you know, I can invest in, you know, the, that, you know, I immediately, you know, kind of look at that and I can, I can assess that, you know, whereas I might not know a lot about retail or, you know, um, biotechnology or genetic sequencing or things of that nature but i might still invest in those too you know if you know if they sound like they're you know interesting uh or they have potential so so that's pretty much the overview of uh startup investing hopefully uh you found that useful um and uh and uh, you know you can apply some of this perhaps in your in your own investing uh, approach. Before I sign off, I did want to uh, send a shout out to my good good friend uh, Danny, who's uh, been there for me for uh, all over the years, and uh, he has uh, been terrific in helping me uh, improve the quality of the show. Uh, with his uh, massive experience in uh, in the in the communications business, so I pr really appreciate it. And uh, shout out to Danny there. Uh, hope you all have a great week, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Take care. Bye bye.